In a moment, we're going to uh, read Psalm 133. Uh, that's what we're going to go and read. So if you've got your Bible, uh, just um, uh, open that in a moment. And we're also, we're going to pray for the whole situation in the Middle East. Just so you know, uh, we are going to pray for that. And I think Abby's, where's Abby? You're, Abby's over there. Abby's going to come and pray as well. But we're going to pray for that um, uh, in a way that is really helpful. Uh, over the last few times when we've got together as a group of churches, it's just been really quite fun. Um, we've had uh, Nadim and Tanya uh, Edom Leparous, who came and spoke about um, Natasha's Law. Uh, do, do we remember that moment when it was a powerful, powerful moment when he saw his daughter die in front of him and <clears throat> his daughter, who'd given her life to Christ, uh, and when she was 14, she died of an allergic reaction to a, a sandwich they bought in an airport lounge. And she died on the aircraft traveling over to the south of France. And it was a moment of revelation where he saw angels around his daughter's body as she died. And he gave his life to Christ. It was the, an extraordinary moment. And then Natasha's Law that uh, many of us will know from different coffee shops and all those things about the law about how you make sandwiches came out of what they did to campaign uh, because of uh, their daughter's death. So we, we had that. We've also had uh, Andre Bondarenko, the guy from Ukraine who came and who came and spoke. And it was just really, really great to hear well, just his reflection on what is going on in Ukraine at the moment, but also how God is using that and planting churches. And then also last time we had Wendy Mann came and she did a conference for us and it was just a really good time. And today, anyway. Yeah, the thing is, if I... It has, we have had some great moments though when we have just worshipped Jesus together. And so this morning... Um, I just need to let you know that we're going to read Psalm 133 because I think God has got some really great stuff in there. But it's, we're not going to have some great strategic plan about how we plant churches across North London and Essex and beyond and into Europe. That's not what we're going to do at all. Um, we're not going to have a set of goals for church planting because sometimes when churches come together, they say, let's plant. How many, how many people were in a church where they wanted to ch plant 20 churches by the year 2000? Yes, there were quite a few, weren't there? It was odd, wasn't it? Just always happened that number that was quite, quite neat. But we're not going to do that. We're going to do nothing about goals for church planting or anything like this. But we are going to look at some values that we can find from Psalm 133 about how we can build together really, really well. How we can be fruitful, how we can plant and grow and encourage churches in North London and Essex and Europe and beyond. And Hertfordshire. Okay. <laughs> Can I just say, I feel <clears throat> Maria isn't able to be with us quite so often at the moment because Maria is an older lady. She is 85? 85. She's not one. We need to pray for her. Um, <clears throat> but she took it on to be the heckler-in-chief of me. <laughs> Out of love, she would heckle me every single time. I think Jill is taking on Maria's mantle. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, so thanks for that. Anyway, so we're going to look at Psalm 133, and also we're going to read Psalm 133, and I hope it'll come up on the screen in a moment. But we're also going to, there's a phrase in there that we're going to look at, and it links back to some verses in Genesis chapter 13, and that's what we're going to come and try and look at. And the phrase is, the first verse of 133, it says this, How wonderful, how beautiful, 
when brothers and sisters get along. That's the phrase that we're just going to look at and we're going to see how we can uh, become even more fruitful because of that. So um, the last few times we have read the passage in English and we've also read it in a different language. Um, do we, can, would we like to read it in a different language as well today? Yes. Who said yes like that? Jerry. Okay, it was a little pocket of people. Okay. What, so what languages have we got that we haven't read out in? Pardon? Who said Spanish? Yes, come on. <laughs> Did you say Spanish? No, no. Okay. Joanna, would you read it in Spanish first? Okay, so uh, would you come out? Um, if that's okay. So we'll read it in. Um, we'll read it in English first. If you can find it in your um, in a Bible, could we get a microphone for Joanna? Um, do you want to read first or second, Joanna? First or second? Come on, come on, yeah, come on. So Psalm 133 in Spanish. Bienaventuranza del amor fraternal. Mirad cuán bueno y cuán delicioso es habitar los hermanos juntos en armonía. Es como el buen óleo sobre la cabeza, el cual desciende sobre la barba, la barba de Aarón, y baja hasta el borde de sus vestiduras, como el rocío del germón que desciende sobre los montes de Sion, porque allí envía Jehová bendición y vida eterna. Thank you. We're going all around the world on Sunday mornings. It's great. Psalm 133. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down the head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the, the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. That phrase that is right at the very beginning, it says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Can anybody give me any idea where you think that phrase first appears in the Bible? Genuine quiz, pub quiz time. Where's it first bit? Gemma and Tim are consulting. <laughs> any idea? Yes, Ruth. Uh, no, it came before that. Yep. Yes. Oh, Manuela always gets to get it right. <laughs> the first time that it appears is when Abraham and Lot are together. So what happened? God called. God decided that He was going to bless the nations, and He was going to do it through Abraham. Yeah. So he said to Abraham, Abraham, I need you to go on an adventure of faith. I need you to move where you are now and I need you to go somewhere else. But by the way, I'm not really going to tell you where you're going to go. <laughs> so Abraham had to say, okay, well, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to move out of my home area and I'm going to go where you tell me to go. And then he, so he left a place called Haran and he, in the end, he ended in a place called Canaan. But he didn't know where God was going to take him to be. And what happened is then they were, they were living in Canaan and Manuela, what happened? And then there were too many of them. And then what happened? So he said to his nephew, so nephew Lot. <laughs> let, let us part as brothers in yeah. love and unity. And he gave Lot first pick. Oh, my word. Becca knows. Uh, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rebecca, Manuela, Manuela knows everything because they're just talking about this person that Abraham, the thing is, I was talking about about names because it wasn't Abraham, it was Abraham at that point. Abraham, and he gave Lot first pick of the land. It's an extraordinary moment. But what happened was this. So, so exactly as Manuela said, <laughs> that they, were, they got so many people in the land that then they had to divide because the, land, the, the herdsmen were up beginning to argue and they, they were thinking, look, unless we separate and go our separate ways, it's in Genesis chapter 13, uh, we will all be fighting. So they separated out. Um, and... Uh, uh, in fact, why don't we just read Genesis? In fact, is it up there? Genesis chapter 13? Is it up there, Diana? Is the next screen? Uh, no, it, it, it was up there. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. Has it come up? It's very slow. Things. I'm going to try and read it, but I don't have my glasses with me. Um, <clears throat> so Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him, and into the Negeb desert. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and gold, and he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he'd made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with him, who was Lot? How was Lot related to Abraham? Nephew. He was a nephew. Yeah, well done. And Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. Looks like tennis. Uh, and tent. Uh, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So what happened was they, they all went into this land and there were too many people in there. So Abraham took, takes Lot up to the top of this hill and says, you see all this land in front of you? So that, was, that is actually the, the um, part of the Canaan, uh, the Negev desert in the background. And Abraham says to Lot, look, you choose whichever bit you want. Whatever bit you want, you can have that and I'll go the other way. Now, that's just, that's wrong, isn't it? Because surely... Abraham was the patriarch. Surely it was Abraham that was leading these people. Surely it should have been Abraham and his nephew Lot walking up the hill. Abraham looking out and then says, this is a nice bit of land. I'm going to go there. Lot, you go there. It's your choice. It should have been that way, shouldn't it? But Abraham does it the other way. He just says, Lot, you choose. You go first. And guess what? Lot chose the best bit of land. (laughs) He chose the best bit of land. He chose the Jordan Valley that was well watered. It was lush. It was the best part. Why did Abraham let Lot choose first? Okay, that's a genuine question. Very good. Okay. Oh, wait. Actually, no. What can I? Can I just like, just turn to somebody next to you, and ask why did Abraham let Lot choose first? Yeah. 
Ah, ja. Um, okay. There's, there's an awful lot of talking going on, so I'm going to say, so tell me, what were the answers? Everyone's going to say, oh, I don't know, somebody else. Why, why did Abraham let Lot choose? For, to keep unity? Yeah. Can I just say, I don't think there's necessarily, there, it doesn't say exactly why, so there's not necessarily a right answer, but I think we just need to try and read into the text what is it that's happened. So what, unity, yeah? He knew his calling. Hold it, wait a minute, okay. So... He knew his calling and that God would still take him to the right place. He knew his calling, he knew that God would take him to the right place. Somebody else over there said something? He wanted his nephew to succeed. He wanted his nephew to succeed. He could trust God and even if he gave Lot his first choice, he knew that God would still come through on his promises. Mm. Yep. Pardon? Fairness. Fairness? But it wasn't necessarily fair because he was giving him the, f the best bit of the land. Absolutely, yeah. Generous hearted. He, he was generous hearted and he was going for peace. He was wise. Wait a minute, wait, okay, we'll, the last three. How, what was it? Humble, and then somebody over here? Humble. And he was a good leader. He just, he showed by example. And do you know what? There was, I feel that there was, there was something about Abraham that we can learn in that moment. That Abraham, by rights, could have said, I'm going to have this best bit. But he chose to do something really different. And he chose for all the reasons that we've like, said now, he said, look, I'm going to let you have the first choice. And even if I do that, I just know God will come through on his promises. He will come through on his promises. And so often, I find that when we, if we want to do something or in something in life we feel God's called, I have to fight for it. And I have to say, if, if I don't do this, who else is going to fight it for me? And I feel God is saying to us, if we, if we want to do lots of things, if we want to do all the things that God has called us to do, and if we do want to plant churches, and if we want to grow, and all those sorts of things, we can do it two ways. We can fight for it and demand that we get it. Or do you know what? We can be like Abraham and say, Abraham, you are going to do, God, you are going to do something in the midst there. You are going to do something that is powerful. I feel sometimes when I'm desperate that God would do something, and I'm saying, God, please show me what to do. Show me what to do. And I feel that God sometimes comes and whispers back to me. And if I'm saying to God, what do you want me to do? I feel God often whispers back to me, Duncan, what do you want to do? Because God has a plan, but actually he trusts us. You know, the more that we trust him, I think the more that God says to us, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What is your plan? I think um, in a moment we're going to find that it didn't all go well for Lot. Because there were kings in that area that were trying to have a go at him. However, we are just talking about land in the Middle East right now. And we're talking about how people went in and took land and actually occupied it and then the fighting that was going on. And so as I was reading like, through this this morning and thinking this is how it applies to us, I thought, well, we have to have some time to pray for the situation in the Middle East. 
So if, if you don't mind, if we can just take a moment and we're going to pray for peace. Now, I know that sometimes it can be very difficult to how we pray for Israel and how we pray for Palestine because it becomes a huge political hot potato. But all we can say is this, that what happened last weekend was horrendous and the loss of life. But God cares for the poor and the marginalised as well. So somehow we're going to pray for these people and we're going to pray for that situation that God's will will be done and that God's love reigns in that area. Is that okay? So Abby, you're going to come and pray um, as well. Is there a microphone, Joel? Abby, why don't you pray first and then I'll... Uh, thanks for this privilege. Um, Lord, help every single one of us in our hearts to pray really what your will is in that area. Lord, we might have an understanding. We might think we know everything about what's happened there, but <laughs> you know every single thing of what's happened there, Lord. So help tune our spirits in with exactly what your will is for that area, Lord. Um, thank you, God, that you can work just as easily, sometimes better, in the midst of man's mistakes, in the midst of men's failings, Lord, that you can do amazing things, that your will can still be done. God, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And while it is our heart's desire to see peace in that area, Lord, it is even more of our heart's desire to see you, you be known amongst the people there, Lord, to see you be known, to see you be glorified, Lord. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters that are Palestinian and our Christian brothers and sisters that are Israeli, Lord, and we just ask first and foremost, Lord, that you would be so near and dear to them right now, Lord. The moment that Becca was talking about earlier where you just came in and encouraged her and encouraged her faith with the truth, Lord, we ask that you would give that those moments to every single one of them like 10 times as powerful, Lord, that you would encourage them in their faith, that you would embolden them during this time, Lord, that you would speak directly through them through the power of your Holy Spirit to speak your truth, to spread the gospel, to, to spread um, your love to their neighbors, Lord. Really, that is how peace can come, isn't it? It's not about politicians making decisions. It's about the change of hearts and the change of lives in that area, Lord. Um, so we ask that you would that you would help change people's lives, that you would help us, and it would start with the Christians, Lord, that it would start with the Christians, that they would know we are Christians by our love. Lord, you can... Um, you forgave us, and we ask that you would help them to forgive. Even when a atrocities have happened to family members, to ones that they love, Lord, that you would be glorified by how well that those Christians can forgive, Lord, and that people would see their unity as believers surpassing this um, historical kind of hate, this lineage of hate and animosity that there's been between Palestine and Israel. God, please have your way, Lord. And I, I also ask God, we ask, Lord, we petition that, um, that evil would be very clear, that what 
the evil is would be clear to everyone that scales would be removed from their eyes, Lord, that the powers and principalities at work here would be evident and obvious, Lord, that that, that would also be an aid to help people forgive men when they make mistakes, Lord, that those that really that you would send angels over there to come and combat those principalities that are are oppressing people there, Lord, that are changing the truth in people's minds and people's hearts. God, please, Lord, have your way in that area. We just ask that you'd be glorified, that your kingdom would come swiftly in that area, Lord. Please, God, we just lift this up and ask this in your name. Yeah, Lord. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Abby. Yeah, Father, we just... We do pray for it, Lord. We, we, we give this situation to you. We pray that those that are planning evil and violence, Lord, we pray that you would stop them. But we pray, O oh God, that somehow you would enable enemies to talk to bring resolution. Jesus, we, we just ask that, as Abby has prayed, that there would be Lord, followers of you, Lord Jesus, who are both Israeli and Palestinian, that somehow they would capture your heart, Lord Jesus, for that situation. And we pray, Lord, we come against the seething anger that is underneath every situation in that land. And we say, God, would you heal it for your glory? Amen. Let's go back a few years. Lot. Lot moved into the best bit of the land. And what happened? All these kings, these Mesopotamian kings, started to attack Lot. So what did, um, what did Abraham do? Abraham said, well, you chose the best bit of land, mate. Crack on. <laughs> you know, to be honest, that little bit of a river down there, I'd quite like that myself. You chose it. You chose the best bit. It's up to you now. Did he do that? No. Lot was in trouble. And what, what Abraham did was he sent his fighting men out and he won the battle for them. He took on these kings that were trying to persecute Lot and he won a battle. And then even more than that, when all of these kings came to Abraham and said, okay, I'm sorry, yeah, we shouldn't have attacked Lot. We're very, very sorry here. Take all this gold. What did Abraham say? He said, I'm not having it. I don't want all your gold and silver. And what he said was this, I've lifted my hands to the Lord Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So even then, when these kings attacked his nephew, and then Abraham beat these kings, and then these kings said, okay, you've beaten us fair and square. Here, have all this loot and, and bounty. Abraham said, I'm not having it. And underneath all of that was this. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm not, I don't need to fight my battles like the world fights my battles. I don't need to do that. Because God, who is the possessor of the heavens and earth, has promised this. And I don't know what, you, what situations you're facing. I don't know. You know, there are a few people. That, I love it when people come and share their testimonies up at the front. And all these things that are going on, situations at work, situations in your family, situations in relationships. And I would say, like God is saying to us today, do not fight your battles in the way that the world fights their battles. There is a better way of how God can work in our situations. 
is this psalm. Psalm 133. How blessed it is when brothers and sisters get along. Did you know that, that God always wants to work in teams? He, al- he loves teams. He always wants to work with other people. He never really does things on his own. Did you know that? Because why did it? It started with... The Trinity, they just re- they really liked hanging out together. They liked being together. There was a team. There was these things going on. And then what happened is God made Adam. And then he made Adam to go off and do all the stuff on his own. And you know, Oh, no, 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 sorry. He made Eve as well. No, no, he made a team. That was the first thing he did. He made a team. That went in. And then when Jesus, Jesus did all his ministry on his own, didn't he? He just went off into the hills. and he, No, he didn't. He did it all in team. He had a team of 12 people. And when, then when the church was started, it was just one or two people on their own going off and doing it, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was 120 people. He said he always, always does things in teams. There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. And whether people come to church or not, if you give your life to Christ, you're part of the church. There's some people who have families that they've never seen in their lives. And sometimes that's a bit like the, like the church. It doesn't mean to say that they're not part of the family. They are part of the family. They just don't, we don't see them. Hebrews 10 says, Do not neglect meeting together as you're in the habit of some, but encourage one another daily as the day draws near. This whole thing about people working together, how blessed it is when we, um, how wonderful and beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. And then they have these two wonderful poetic images. Um, uh, go on to the next one. And one more. Uh, no, back. That's on. No, 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 no. Forwards, forwards to the oil. Anyway, well, the oil will come up soon. There Hurry, there you go. Thanks, Diana. Has anyone ever got? Hey, hiya. Has anyone ever got oil on their clothes? It's really hard to get out, isn't it? Yeah, all the time. And yet, this verse it says, "Unity. It's like oil." being poured over Aaron's head and coming down and like it's an oil of anointing and then it gets onto his robe, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. And it's this picture of how in the Old Testament, priests were anointed. They were set apart. It talks about Aaron having to put on certain clothes, make certain sacrifices. And then it says, take the oil of anointing and pour it on him all over his head. What is oil a symbol of in the Old Testament? It's about the anointed priest, the anointed king. Who was that who said that? Oh, there. Sorry, I couldn't see. And it's about the, the presence of God just being with us. The anointed presence of the Holy Spirit. We were, we were praying with some, um, together, uh, three of us, the other day, and we put, we put oil like, on our hands, and then we prayed for somebody, and... And when we were praying, and I was thinking that the, the person I was praying with was putting quite a lot of oil on their hands, sort of rubbing it around like this and praying for somebody. And I thought, oh, they're not going to like that with their shampoo and hair and all that sort of thing. <laughs> but there is something about oil that, I don't know if you've ever put oil on your hands. It's quite smooth, isn't it? And it makes your skin feel quite warm. And, and it glistens. But there's something about oil that is about God's presence with us and anointing us. 
And if we really want to see God working together as in unity, I need to see you as my priest, Meryl. We need to see one another as our priests. This thing isn't just about Aaron any longer. It's about each one of us being a priest to one another. We say that, don't we? We do say that we believe in the priesthood of all believers. You are my priest. You speak words of truth and grace into my life. The, the other morning, I was sitting in my wonderful little chair, just praying. And if I'm really honest, I don't feel I was in a particularly great place. I don't know why. I just think things, all sorts of things had, had crashed in and I just thought, oh, I just feel pretty rubbish. And when I feel like that, I think I can't really, I try not to have my phone on me too much because you just get distracted. If you don't feel particularly close to the Lord, it's a lot easier to read the news, isn't it? I try, or Instagram reels. But, I, but anyway, but then I had my phone with me and, I, and it pinged. And it was you, Ben. And Ben, so I'd been, we'd been texting Ben. Ben is over in, and Ben and Claire, and the girls are over in Harlow. And it was you, and I can't remember exactly what you said, but you just said, I've just been praying for you. You know, is everything okay, I think is what, something, I don't know, something like that. And, and I just said, oh yeah, thank you for doing that. It was, yeah, actually it was a bit of a tricky old moment. But you were my priest at that point. Because... Ben just spoke words of encouragement into me. Every time, I, you know I do the email, I do an email update for people in, in Hatfield and Trinity. Most weeks when I send it out, Bola, you, you come back, you email back, don't you? Every time. Bless you. Thank you for emails. Please don't everybody do that, okay? <laughs> Please, not, <laughs> not everybody. But you just email back and you say, oh, thank you for this. Bless you. Hope you and the lovely chill are okay. You're not. <coughs> now, are you, you're my priest in that moment because you're just speaking words of encouragement. We had a, a leaders meeting at, in Hatfield the other day and then we were talking about admin and, weren't we? We were talking, and Lizzie does all the admin. And then we just said, oh, why don't we just say something that's, that Lizzie's doing really well in admin? And to be honest, it was a while to stop. But actually, we were together, we were being a priest. And you, you spent, like, let's get away from this whole thing of that only being one person that's a priest, or only priests look a certain way, or it's just a few people. That's nonsense. Now, this, this thing says that how blessed it is when, when men and women get together, when they live together well, and it's like oil flowing down Aaron's beard, and it's, it's in everything. We are all called to be priests to one another. The second image that it talks about is Jew. D-E-W. Can anybody tell me, scientifically, how does Jew work? What happens? Okay, right, it's got to be somebody from not in the first three rows, because everybody's answering the questions here. Anybody from, how does, yes? Just speak up. Say it again. Very good. Did everyone hear that? 
humidity in the air condenses on grass. So there's loads of moisture in the air. When it gets cold, that the uh, cold, cooler air can't hold the water anymore, so all the water just drops onto the ground. It says that when we live together well, it's like that. It's exactly like that. It's like dew on the ground, and it's fresh. Has everybody, anybody slept outside underneath the stars? Was it only a few of us? Yeah, seriously, you've got to do that. It, well, before you die in your life, everybody's got to sleep out under the stars. It's utterly, utterly brilliant. <laughs> well, some people think, no. Until you wake up and you're covered in dew. The only thing is that you wake up in the morning and guess what? You're covered in dew. You go, oh, what is all this wet everywhere? But it's like this, it, you can't stop it because water is held in the air. And when it, when it gets cold, it just drops. And what it says is that when we live together like that, it's like that dew, fresh every single morning. There's something of the, the fresh, it allows vegetation in places that are really barren, it allows vegetation to, to grow because there is water, like the dew on Mount Hermon. And it's talking about the fresh work of the Holy Spirit in your life every single day. Can I ask you to be brave? We're going to finish in a moment. Who feels that sometimes they live on yesterday's blessing? And I'm not putting my hand up to show you what to do. I'm putting my hand up because I think I do that sometimes. I'm putting my hand up because sometimes I feel I do what God had spoken to me about years ago. And sometimes it just gets a little bit old but the dew of God comes every single day the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit comes every single day and I feel that if if we're going to do something together we need to understand these things that everyone is a priest in the room that we speak grace into each other's lives and we will not get very far unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit every day. You know those pictures of, um, of heaven where you're sitting on a cloud wearing white playing a harp? <laughs> well, that's a problem for me because I don't like heights and white make me looks fat, makes me look fat. That's why I wear black. <laughs> so I don't like heights, I don't like white and I'm rubbish at playing a harp. And I've never even played. I've never even tried it. I'm sub-musical, mostly. And it's nonsense. When you talk about heaven like that, you think, well, of course, I, nobody wants to be in heaven like that. And then, you know, we, I was having a conversation. They said, to be honest, I think I'd rather be in hell because it would be a bit more fun. <laughs> well, yeah, if it was sitting on a cloud wearing white and playing a harp, it would be. But actually, what the Bible says about heaven is something very, very different. The Bible says... Just go back to the, the, the verses at the very beginning. It says this. That's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. Think of the people that you are with. Think of the people that, that you most love. Think of the people that you have the, the best conversations with. 
Think about the people that you have the most adventures with, the most exciting ex shared experiences. Think about people that make you feel most alive. Being with them is a better picture of heaven, according to Psalm 133. When we live together, when we know that the power of the Holy Spirit coming and filling us every single day, and we learn what it is to be a priest. In a moment, I'm going to, in a moment, ask the, the band to come up. And um, we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us afresh, you know. And we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit comes and pours his power out on our lives. That there's something like this, the fresh dew of the Holy Spirit that renews us, reinvigorates us. Because God has called us to do different things. There are people in the room who are called to, church, to plant churches. In fact, Jill, can I just ask you could, you, could you come and say what happened to you at that meeting years and years ago when you asked to stand up and then he said, sit down? Would you, are you happy to do that? Yeah. I haven't asked you, but I haven't warned you. Just come and, can you? I mean, it's not a great story. I was at um, Downs Bible Week. I think it was the last when, ever. When was it? Downs, I think it was the last one, I don't know. Probably 83, yeah, something yeah. like that. I don't know. Two years ago, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, so a, a guy was speaking and he said... Um, I just, I, I just feel, you know, if you feel that you're called, I, think, I can't even really remember, it's, you know, it's gone. But if you feel that you're called to serve God and you're called to, to do what God's doing, then stand up in the room. And I stood up. What did you feel God had called you to do? I, um, I'd just been on mission. I felt that God had called me to just to serve him. I don't know, really. But I just knew that God had his hand on my life and that I wanted to respond to whatever God was doing. And um, bless him, he said, oh, only the men. So I sat down and then later on I went into a field behind a hedge and cried and thought, God, that is not right. I know that is not right. I know what he was meaning. He was meaning, I want the guys. Get up, guys. Get up. God has a purpose for your life. Let's man up. I think that's what he was saying. But actually, I felt, no, God, I know. I know you've got your hand on my life. And can I just say, that was way before I'd met Duncan. That was way before <laughs> we were going out. You know, I had no idea that we were going to do church. Even when I met Duncan, I had no idea. He was a retrobate. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, he was good, good man. <laughs> but, you know, we did a bit of youth work. I didn't know God was going to call him to lead a church. You know, you go on this journey with God. I talked about my uh, testimony in Alpha. Mm. And, and God, but, I, but I just knew, like, and probably from meetings before that as well, that God was speaking, you know, stand up, get on. Mm. What is God calling to you? Do it. Do it with passion. Do it, you know, just keep going. Press in. And so, you know, it's up. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the reason I said it is because the, this, these verses in the version that I've read it from 
which is the, the anglicised version of the ESV, says this, how wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters get along. Now, the point of it isn't gender identity and gender sort of how men and women... Went. It's actually, that it, it's talking about when people get along, but it's just using this. But I, what I did want to say is that I want to, the Holy Spirit to come and fall on us again in a moment that anybody, whether you're male or female, who feel that actually you were burning with something and then somebody said something to you and it just crushed it. I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fall on us afresh, you know? That we have this fresh sense of anointing of all that God has called us to do. We're not called to have great strategic plans to plant churches across the whole area, but we are called to work together in unity. And when we do that, then we will be so fruitful. Can I just ask you to stand, please? We need to be mindful of people that are looking after our children. But Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Lord, come minister into our hearts right now. something that I have said the Lord has breathed life into it for you and it has resonated with you that the Lord is just putting his finger on something whether it's living in yesterday's blessing or laying something down that God spoke to you because somebody inadvertently crushed what you felt God had said to you resonated with you, I just encourage you to, as you stand, to open your arms or to raise your hand or to lift your face, but to make a physical response in your body. Don't stand exactly as you have been. Open your arms, lift your, lift your face. sake and for your church and that we might plant churches across Hertfordshire and Essex and London and in Europe and beyond. We say, oh God, would you come and fall on us afresh now? Oh Jesus, pour your spirit out upon us, I pray. Receive the goodness of the living God. 
disappointment and anger and frustration and any other any other thing like that has just has bound you up stand before Jesus right now and give it to him and say Jesus take this burden and free me now to be the man or to be the woman that you created me to be